one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Before we start today's show, um, I have to talk to you about something which um, I believe is the silent epidemic of our time. Uh, so it's with somewhat of a, a heavy heart that I'm asking you for your support for my dear friend Susan Ray, uh, the voice for many of us of the BBC. Susan is suffering from dementia, a terrible illness that has taken a toll on her health and well-being. She needs aid for her care in assisted living, and I'm asking you, listener of this podcast, uh, to help make sure that she gets the help that she needs. On a bright, sunny afternoon back in 2014, I came across Susan holding court with her friends, laughing and chatting away. As soon as we started talking, uh, we clicked and we became instant friends, carrying on our conversation long after everybody else had left. Susan and I became close. But as often is the case in life, we slowly drifted apart because of my many trips to California. We shared a love of adventure, food and travel, and I have many fond memories of the times we spent together. Susan is a great cook, a lover of cats and her home was always filled with laughter and love. Susan also helped me with this podcast by being the first celebrity to appear on it and to endorse it. Her generosity and willingness to help others was always one of her greatest qualities, and will always be grateful to her for her support. Now Susan needs our support. She needs help with her care in assisted living. And I'm asking for your support to make sure she gets the care that she needs. Alzheimer's may rob Susan of her memories, but it won't rob us of the warmth that her voice and grace brought to our radios over many, many, many years. I ask you to please donate what you can to help Susan. Every little bit will help, and it will mean the world to her and her two boys. Let's Show Susan that she's loved and that we care for her well-being. Thank you for your generosity and your kindness. Together, let's make a difference in Susan's life. And let's hope that this terrible scourge 
of Alzheimer's and dementia is something that future generations will not have to suffer under because of the breakthroughs that are being made in medical science. But until that time, we need to care for those who are suffering from the ravages of this terrible illness. So the link to donate is justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash Susan Ray. And that is S-U-S-A-N-R-A-E. Again, justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash Susan Ray. Spelled S-U-S-A-N-R-A-E. There'll be a link to this in the show notes. I've decided to do a new podcast. This one will be called Brown People, a podcast where I speak to politicians, pundits, mothers and thinkers about discovering the stories of people of colour. I'll be your host as we dive into the lives of thoughtful individuals who have maybe caused a controversy but have definitely lived a life worth talking about. We'll be talking about the struggles, the triumphs and everything in between as we hear the experiences of people from all over the globe. We'll be getting to the root of what drives them, how they see the world and how the world sees them and how they've overcome the obstacles that life has thrown in their way. This is a podcast that will be an exploration and a conversation. So join us as we shine a light on the stories, struggles and we look at the lives of people of colour. Please subscribe to it today, whether you're a brown person or not. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. This week's Dumpty Dum is from our Jenny Bronda, and the podcast is sponsored by Kathleen Anstey. This is Dumpty Dum, the show about the reality docudrama that is centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I am the pigeon peck brassica who is Royful Brown, and I am here today with the scary smoke alarm who is Jacqueline Berto in Brittany, France. Now, on this episode, we have a very lovely group of colorinerers. We hear from 
Jen, Ambridge Pony Club, who doesn't like Helen. Oh no, she doesn't, and not one bit. Andrea from Beautiful Brittany, who is glad to see the real Natasha is back. Claire from Clapham, who thinks David and Jim are the dream team. Marie in Winchester, who thinks Oliver's gift to George is lovely, but is it realistic? Witherspoon, who accepts Ditz's correction. And David from Carmarthenshire, who has sympathy with George. And we have the social media roundup from our Suey. Now, just before we go on with the show, next week you need to get your caller in in early. It's going to be the Quentin and Philippa show. So the dynamic duo do return. So you need to get your calls in next weekend by 10 a.m. on Sunday if you want to get them on that show. So 10 a.m. on Sunday. Ah, lovely. Now, don't forget, if you search for Dum on YouTube, guess what you get? Dum Dum on YouTube. Please go and find our many hours of interviews which we did with actors who play the characters in the docudrama that we love. And they are very interesting, very lovely and really worth a listen. And of course, we should be wishing a very warm welcome to the five new members of our Facebook group. So, how's it going with the Birmingham plans, Royfield? Most excellent, most excellent. Things are filling up a treat. We've had more bookings for... More tickets sold, sorry, for Saturday. Oh, and and the dinner is filling up a treat as well. I'm going to try and see if we can't get along another act from the Archers. And good. Our Sonny, a.k.a. Lillian Company. We're going to be festooned, festooned with Archers and Glitterati. That is absolutely lovely. Now, we've had a bit of contact from a few people who are looking to hook up for lifts. We had... I'm glad you put lifts there very quickly on the end. Lifts. It's not that type of event when you said no. hook up. Lifts. People looking to hook up. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, I'm old school. It's a bit like... Oh, I'm not going to say what it's in. I know, you're old school. You just throw your car keys in, in, ah, into a jar. No, I feel... <laughs> there are people who are looking now. There's a couple of people, specifically one person, Anne from Bristol, who's looking to travel on Friday afternoon up to Birmingham. So if anybody else is travelling up, they'd be good to connect you. We have Bernadette, who's in Margate and willing to travel to London on Friday afternoon to connect with somebody who's travelling in a car to Birmingham on Friday afternoon. Keep us posted, guys. If there are people that want to offer a lift to people, we can try and collect you all together. Fantastic. There you go. Who needs Uber or the National Rail where, or even National Express Coat Service when you have the great ranks of dum-de-dums? Absolutely. Or their uh, benevolence. Uh, if during the last few weeks we've been promoting the events on our Facebook page, so if you've got friends or fellow archers, aficionados who are not part of that, tell them to get in there. Tell them what they're missing and invite them to Birmingham. The link to the booking platform is on the Dumpty website and our Facebook page. And if Please. even if they're new to the archers, don't you think it'd be great to come to Birmingham and meet us all and that'll start them off on a lifelong route of happiness? <laughs> <laughs> In less than a month, we'll have met person to person for the first ever time. Well, let's hope that I don't underwhelm you too much. <laughs> Ditto. Now, details of tickets can be found on dumdydum.com. There is the dinner ticket in the evening, which is £30. There is the Saturday-only ticket, which which can be purchased or 
you can have the ticket for the whole weekend's festivities, which is £60. But go to either dumdydum.com. You can go to the Symphony Hall website to book your tickets. And or you can go to dumdydum on Facebook and links are provided there. Now, good people, this is the People's Podcast. This is a collaborative effort. Without you, basically, there is no show. So one of the ways in which you can help is by sending us in your dum-de-dums. Give us a bank of those tunes so we can play them in the future. So if you fancy singing with your friends or family, tootin' tin whistle, or sending us a full orchestral rendition of Barwick Green, please send it to us. It will be most welcome. Last week, we had one or two, which is most awesome, but folks, please keep them coming. How you do it, you send them via SpeakPipe. Details of how you get to SpeakPipe later on in the show. Great. It's good that people are still sending those to us. But first, before we start all this shenanigans of this podcast, let's look at the weekend ambush from our sweet Queen or Tart. Hello, my lovely people. It is Siri, Queen or Tart on the Twitters and another week in Ambridge. This was one of those weeks when I shouted at the radio several times. To be fair, I shout at the radio most weeks, but I was in the car and at traffic lights when I ended up shouting at Tom and Natasha, gesticulating wildly at their activities. At least the windows were up. I got some funny looks. So, Brian has moved into Blossom Hill Cottage and has enrolled in cookery classes. Good on him! Alice found out and agreed he would cook Sunday lunch for the family, presumably chicken keeves all round until he learns another dish. I wonder what Kate's going to be having. Tom and Natasha have sold out their souls to a company manufacturing environmentally controversial agrochemicals. They are taking Nova and Siren to a photo shoot on Monday when the new window officially opens at the farm open day. Helen was rightly miffed about it and had a proper strop at Tom mostly because he lied about it, but also because he was whining about having to do extra setup work. Still, ka-ching for the twins' bank balances. Hurrah! Oliver and Neil were fed up with their assignments at Lower Loxley. How is Neil doing multiple weekday shifts looking after people's pushchairs and rucksacks while still working at Barrow? Inquiring minds want to know. They swapped out with the two senior guides who were presumably chuckling into their sleeves to do an OAP visit. This turned out to be a similarly named primary school with an actual learning plan and a need for DBS certification for anyone interacting with them, which just went out of the window. Lower Loxley must have had to discuss the learning plan objectives with the school well prior to this event. Unbelievable. Apparently, Neil and Oliver made the children laugh. I imagine it was a great tour, to be honest, but that's actually not the point. Oliver hopes Freddie will see that he and Neil can handle anything. Oh dear, that's just lining up for more trouble. In the meantime, Oliver suggested that he should support George's entrepreneurial spirit and is prepared to hand over £5,000 to set him up doing something. Sounds like George isn't getting a party at Grange Farm or a ride in MD's limo, but I am sure the 5K will soften the blow. Is there some sort of reality show going on that we don't know about? He did talk about growing up with two dads, George that is, which gave me a rare moment of feeling sorry for him, but it didn't last. Jimus apologised for his actions last week and arranged to go with David to the pub quiz and they roped in Elizabeth, everybody else at the farm seeming to be busy. So has no one seen to the lambs that evening? 
David had many pints and would not have been capable. The detentes did their best, but apparently Kenton is now Joe Flynn, who is the world Guinness World Record holder for the longest-running pub quiz, and the picture round was of very poor quality, which ended up in them coming second, probably, sounds like it. Jim's main job this week, though, was to find out about Justin's deception. It has taken forever for the penny to drop. Justin bought Lillian an electric car, so that presumably he has justification for the EV charging station. I think they could probably run a, pay, a cable out from the Dower House, to be honest. Jim impersonated him most ineffectually to get through to one of the other investors, who clearly knew Justin and would take his call. It is clear that Justin has been playing him for a fool, and we know that Jim is no fool. The gloves are well and truly off. I imagine I was not alone in shouting a lot, but limey, the archers gets you in the fields. Until next week then, my lovelies, and I hope it's a good one. Now, I say this often, right, but I'm so led by you in this episode. Normally I say it and then I just talk over you. I'm so going to be mute. Was this or was this not a good week? In Ambridge. This was a very good week in Ambridge. Lots of stories, lots of interactions, lots of people we haven't had in a storyline for a while. So, yeah, it was a good week for me in Ambridge. Tom, Natasha, Helen and Helen's bit, right? Lee, Uh, Lee. You're talking about Lee. Lee. I know. We so just an appendage, apparently. (laughs) He yeah, needs an appendix. maybe. Yeah, maybe he is. Anyway, that's beside the point. Just give us your thoughts and feelings. The week started off with Tom and Natasha, uh, with Lee and Helen. That was a stupid. Th- I hated that. I hated Sunday. So, sorry, my miss is positive normally. Apart from, are oh, you really? Pip. Yeah, and maybe Helen and maybe Mm -hmm. a few others, yeah. Okay, so I try to be very positive about my interactions with the Archers, but Sunday's episode, which I probably didn't catch up with until Tuesday, was then on a day out. Is it never or nether? You know what? I'm not sure. I just know it's one of those locations that used to be mentioned back in the 70s. Yeah, because it was Caroline's uncle owned it. Exactly. And Lord Netherborn. Exactly. Lord Netherborn. So it still exists. It hasn't disappeared out. So I suppose it's quite nice to get the the Bridge Farm boars away from Bridge Farm. But somehow there was something... Of a Pat and Tony then. Oh, this is the next generation of Bridge Farm boars. Natasha was, was like, she was like being a martyr. Tony was standing wittering with Lee and Helen and she was there doing the, I don't worry, I've got the big bag, I've got the keys, I've got the babies, I've got the this, I've got the that. I felt like passive aggressive. So it started off with them being predominant for the week and I think it continued. And of course, we ended up on Friday with Tom saying to her, to Helen, they'll only know if you tell them. It's in your hands. Tom has completely and utterly sold all of his principles down down the river, hasn't he? The one thing which I thought was great about this week, I must admit, I don't like the David and Oliver detective stuff. That's just too twee for me. But putting that to one side, I loved the fact that George had a conversation with his dad and said... Was it genuine? Absolutely, it's genuine. And it's been a long time coming. A long time coming. And 
considering that he is hyper aware socially, yeah, but leaded footing in the way that he deals with people of his own age and whatever, this gives us some level of understanding of which I think he needs a whole load of sympathy, to be honest with you, because it's fundamentally simple, but it's so unusual, his upbringing. It, absolutely. I agree with you on that. But why is it Emma's fault? But come on, he's a teenage boy. It's always going to be his parents' fault. No, he didn't blame Will and Ed. He blamed Emma for playing. Oh, that is true. Okay. So it's a yeah, kind of a misogynistic. Yes. I'm sorry. But he did say, but he did imply that he thought his dad was weak. He yeah. did say that. Because of so, Emma. Because of Emma. He always turned it I up. totally take that point. But I don't think he thinks that any of them necessarily came out of it well. And as a result, he's the one that suffered from obviously bullying. Bullying's an interesting question because in your day, definitely in my day, bullying was somebody who pinched your sandwiches and swore they'd beat you up on the way home if you told anybody. Yeah, but nowadays, teasing, taunting is also a form of bullying. Absolutely. Uh, And cyber, I'm thinking about the internet. So he's probably not only getting it face-to-face, but he's getting it in on the computer in the evening when he logs on to TikTok or whatever, uh, the youngsters. Snapchat. He's probably on Snapchat. I didn't get the sense, and we should really go to the court. I didn't necessarily get the sense that it was, is he still being teased about it or is it just something which... Oh, I got the sense that it was very okay. kind. I, his birthday party, the whole idea of showing people the farm so they didn't look as like they were hobos and then mm. the limo so they didn't look like hobos was about him trying to show his current friends that he's not a hobo. Yeah, because he's, but he's into bling though, isn't he? Because I remember there was, I forget when he was going to do his drugs empire with Brad, where he said well, he wanted like Range Rover Evoke at the weekend. He's a teenage boy and is acutely aware that his family don't have that much money and a certain level of image projection. He doesn't want his friends to see that actually they live a pretty hand-to-mouth kind of existence. I'll forgive him that. And I'll also most definitely forgive him a reticence of talking about his upbringing because it is unusual yeah and he must have had a whole load of teasing even more to the point when you've come to an age where you realize that your upbringing is unusual because at the age of five you're not going to realize or six or seven you're not but it's going to dawn on you at the age of i don't know 10 11 so oh my goodness like my stepdad is my uncle blah 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 how he worded it to his father i completely take your point that he did blame his mother. I didn't even thought about it in that way. But he said, you're weak, Dad. He did say that. He did. You know. Yeah. You know. Yeah, but he said, I stick to my guns, Roy Phil, because he referenced mm-hmm. it back to Emma. So I'm agreeing with you. And no, having okay. said, right at the beginning of this this soliloquy that you've just done, you said that you were going to leave it to me to say the words. You were gonna I'm let not saying another word in the whole podcast. Jenny, uh, good, let's. Can you speak the next introduction or should I just turn everything red on the script? Tell you what, why don't I just press this button, then this is the <laughs> Berto show. <laughs> Hello, Ambridge 3962. Now, 
top of the shop, we have Claire Asprey, who I did a lovely podcast with yesterday yeah. called Map Corner. Here is Claire from Clapham. Hi, Dumpty Dum. It's Claire from Clapham here. So looking forward to Birmingham, especially now that I've finished writing my paper for the conference so I can relax a bit and actually look forward to it. Hurrah! Um, I'm really so happy to uh, the idea of seeing everybody um, at the big mashup and get together. So this week, a couple of things. One is, well, Tom and Natasha and Helen. Oh, I so enjoyed um, Helen working out that Tom had sold out his principles to um, the agrochemical firm uh, and Tom being evasive about it and then Tom sort of telling her off. Um, I just feel like there's there's no winners or losers there. Um, I just enjoy all of the Bridge Farm people being taller strip off and it seems so unfair um because uh, you know they're all human beings aren't they and i'm not normally a vindictive person but i somehow especially enjoy them coming off their pedestals that they put themselves on and i do remember actually um god it must have been years ago probably 15 years ago or something when tom moved his sausage production from bridge farm to home farm i can't even remember why they had to do that but there was this massive hoo-ha because obviously home farm isn't organic and bridge farm is organic and he had to sort of set out his organic principles um to move it because he wanted to keep calling them tom archer sausages so as i recall there's something about him putting his own sense of kind of ego and pride above the broader principles that we've seen before uh, so yeah I'm enjoying that uh, and then just quickly um, I love how Jim and David have teamed up now and I'm really looking forward to the whole Jim and Justin's showdown see you all soon bye hee hee after you madam <laughs> so Claire is enjoying the Jim David storyline and I have to agree I've quite enjoyed the coming together of the entente cordiale around the quiz although the quiz is one of those a pub quiz on a radio docudrama it didn't make good radio for me but I do the fact that Jim and David are working together that's what it should be like and the fact that somebody's lied somewhere along the line to David yeah that's all coming out I think it'll all come to a head in a few weeks and you're bored to death mm. with it, aren't you? No, I think the storyline is not at all a bad one. But Jim as detective and then him and David both yeah. uh, both together whilst Jim's on the phone pretending. I could nobody have done would do it. That. Nobody would do I that. I could have done without that. I just thought that was a little bit kind of hackneyed. But the storyline, I think, is a good one. Oh, and sorry, it, I misunderstood it, what you said earlier. I thought you said... No, it was specifically just that we don't need a pair of amateur sleuths and getting on the phone and hello i'm justin elliott i'm a colleague of it come on for a start off he wouldn't have rung the office he would have rung his mobile yeah but yeah but yeah, yeah. so well, it is funny uh, things that i will see how it develops but it's quite interesting and like claire i'm looking forward to showdowns i don't like showdowns normally but i'm looking forward to the showdown between justin and oliver but i am concerned about oliver and in fact it's not just oliver, oliver and his voice this week, maybe you mean Jim. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, in fact, I'm concerned about Oliver, but I am concerned about Jim as well. So Jim's voice has been slightly weak and more doddery recently. And at the same time, Oliver's in the interactions with Neil and with Lizzie. I just felt both of these are characters that are 
really well-known voices, actors that we have listened to for a long time. I've seen one or two of them. Oh, often plays a vicar. One of them, I always mix them up. He's playing a vicar in Downton Abbey, and he's often a vicar in other things. That might be the actor that plays Oliver. Yeah. Trying to remember now. But the voices have changed in the this last section and I'm finding them a bit wibbly wobbly and a bit weak. Don't you feel that? I was really aware that when Jim got onto the phone when he was with his subterfuge, that he was like, Oh hello. Yes. It's a little bit like like that. No, no. I yes, it's his business colleague Justin Elliott. But I presume that's him just trying to Yeah. Put on another voice. Yeah. But so I can't really speak to that. But I tell you what, though, if I was listening with only half an ear, as I was a couple of times this week, I actually got George and Brad mixed up. But that's because I was listening with half an ear. Yeah, so I was like, why is Brad speaking to Will and Ed? And oh, because <laughs> it was George. Uh, yeah, there's been a week of interesting voices, really, and interesting sound effects. Because, of course, Elizabeth was obviously struggling. The actress was obviously struggling with a heavy cold. So when we had her voice at the beginning of the week, and of course it was Elizabeth because of the context. And then when we started off the, another program with her talking to David, I thought, I don't understand who this is. Why is David talking to Stella like this? It's the actual recording. It's the actual voice of the actor at that moment in time. But don't you think it was a week where, I don't know how you listen, whether you listen with headphones on, I listened with headphones to every program this week because it came like that. And, oh, a lot of sound effects that you don't hear if you're listening out loud in your kitchen or whatever. And I just found it quite interesting that noticing the newborn lambs, noticing all the other things. So when we started listening to the Colorinaras this week, of course, I was fascinated by Jen's call, uh, Ambush Pony Club, because she's got lots of clunking and clicking and jingling noises behind her. So I thought, oh, she's been sponsored by the Archers Foley Artist. And of course, we've got a Foley Artist coming to our weekend in Birmingham, haven't we? What a link. What a link indeed. <laughs> and I, I remember Kerry Davis once saying they used to have this, I think it was a recording which they made for either cows or sheep. I cannot remember which one it was, which they obviously use once too often. And somebody <laughs> wrote in, and said, you're using the same... It's the same sheep. Yeah, so the level of detail that... Recognition. Uh, some, some have and recognition, exactly. <laughs> you need to change it up. So it shows you, they've got to completely be on the game. But anyway, i tell you what, yes, because yeah. you did a wonderful segue. <laughs> let's not waste that, and let's have Jen, Ambridge Pony Club. Greetings, Royfield, Jacqueline, and everyone in Dumpty Dumland. Jen here really calling in about Helen this week and her ridiculous, somewhat hypocritical opinions about the twins doing the photo shoot. Uh, first of all, I think she's really grandiose about her marketing and all the rest of it. I think for the amount, size of production and what they're doing, she'd be much better spending her time going around the local farmer's markets actually selling the cheese than having these ridiculous kind of branding, marketing oh my God, what will people think if the twins are seen in conjunction with a corporate campaign with a multinational who is a polluter? I mean, 
When I go and buy some cheese from a farm shop, I'm not doing due diligence into the owner's grandchildren to make sure that they're completely ethically on brand. I don't, you know, they might get an article in the in the Echo, but who actually reads local press these days? I mean, um, I think the whole thing's completely ridiculous. I think basically she's jealous as hell. If this was an opportunity for Henry or Jack, we all know she'd take it. She jumped at the money to sell the farmland and have her cheese school emporium and a bit of moolah in the bank for the kids. So they sold off perfectly good farming land. She had no problem with that. In fact, she was driving it. So just the green-eyed monster. Typical Helen. Really don't like that girl. And I think twins should go for it. Take the money off the man and do the Robin Hood thing. Put it into a bit of rewilding, whatever it might be. I love that chihuahua. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's a Foley artist in the making. So, what do you think about Jen's call, Royfield? Because she's definitely got a downer on Helen. And I don't think you like down, down, downers on anybody, do you? You're Mr. Positive, you. I do try and have my glass always halfway full. And I love me some Jane Ambridge Pony Club. But my gut is that Helen wouldn't do this. I think that for Helen, the organic principles of Bridge Farm are something which actually isn't movable. It's immovable. I think she does believe in it. And I, but I do take Jen's point regarding all this PR. I always think it's just way over the top as well. However, anything that Bridge Farm does is a high-end good it's completely a luxury good with discretionary incomes being spent on it. It's not anything's a necessity. And if they have retailers that sell the stuff, and they do, their image does need to be squeaky clean. Now, would somebody link images of two cherubs on an, another yeah. on another campaign with Bridge Farm? Ninety nine point nine percent no. Uh. That's a touch too far. However, I think she's principled when it comes down to organic farming. Okay. I'll give her that. Yeah, I agree with all that you've said, but it's her tone. It's something about the way she pronounces things that grates on me. I think, yeah, her principles, blah, blah, blah. I agree with all of that, but no. She has got a very condescending tone, and even with her brother. So let's leave it at that, because maybe we'll come back to that later on. Let's go to the next call, shall we? You know what? Why don't we do follow the script instead? Okay. Oh, sorry. God, who wrote the script? (laughs) It was actually Philippa to be. Yeah, exactly. But then you have come in and you embellish it. At the point, I say this. The best and the easiest way for you to record a message or a plot prediction is to go to www.speakpipe.com forward slash dumb t dumb. Don't forget the t in the middle. And you can also find a link to this in the show notes. Or you can send us a voice note via WhatsApp on 0044-7957-167-696. Now, we need your calls in by 6pm on a Sunday UK time. Now, we'll keep you posted about this because with Royfield changing continents, we might try and do some early recording in the next couple of weeks. But whatever you do... Please remember to keep your call to a maximum of two minutes and bear in mind that you need to be at least 18 to take part. Folks, we need your help. There are a few things that you can do to help create 
this podcast. First off, if you haven't done so already, hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast stream that you use. And go tell a friend to also subscribe as well. Secondly, give us a five-star review. Just give us any old review. If it's rubbish and we deserve it, send it in. We'll even read that out. It'll be hugely appreciated, especially if it's on Apple Podcasts. Finally, the third thing is that you can consider becoming a patron. Patreon is a way of tipping creators like us, and there are different levels with different rewards. So if you just go to patreon.com, search for Dum Dum, we'll be chuffed to bits to have your support. Or you can hit, you can go to dumdum.com and hit the donate button for this show, just as Kathleen Anstey did. And you can become a sponsor of the show. Now we have two minutes of history with R. Stephen. Here is an illustrated summary of the news. It would be one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box, and if you break it down, it really comes out to two dollars a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Impossible to do justice to the bull in a single two-minute history. So here is the first of three two-minute histories of the bull. The pub had its origins in the 15th century, but our story really starts in 1952, when the long-serving landlord Sam Saunders retired and Jack Archer took on the licence. By the end of 1953, his reliability issues led to the licence being transferred to his wife, Peggy. Stourhampton Brewery took over the bull from Borchester Brewery in 1957, but in 1959 they sold it to Jack and Penny for £5,300. Jack and Peggy borrowed most of the money from Aunt Laura. In 1962, Jack and Peggy opened the cellar club at the bull for teenagers, and in 1963 they planned a new dining room overlooking the bowling green. Once again, Aunt Laura chipped in, and they added a self-contained flat above the dining room extension so that she could move in. 
1966, there was a spate of arson attacks in Ambridge and the perpetrator was caught when he tried to set fire to the bull. It turned out that he was Frank Mead, father of barmaid Polly Mead, who was engaged to Jack Woolley's young protégé, Sid Perks. By 1969, Jack Archer's drinking was becoming a problem, as were his finances, and unbeknownst to Peggy, he had some valuers in to look at the bull. He rallied a bit after Peggy found out about this, and later in the year they opened a play bar, which featured fruit machines and espresso coffee. The village hated this, and by 1970 Peggy was trying to persuade Jack to close it down. Then, in 1971, Jack's health deteriorated, and he was sent off to a sanatorium in Scotland where he died early the next year. In 1972, after Jack Archer's death, Peggy decided to move out of the bull and she offered the licence to Polly, now Polly Perks, so that she could run the place with Sid, whose criminal record prevented him from holding a licence. Polly and Sid accepted the offer and sold the village shop to Jack Woolley to raise some of the money. So thank you for that, Stephen. That was most illuminating. And we're going to have part two of Stephen next week. So now we go back to our calls and we're going to go to the upper lower east west side. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, Roy Phil, Jacqueline, and all Dumpty Dumbers around the world. It's with the Spoon and Angus Haggis here. First, I have to raise my hand up. I was wrong. In closer listening, as Ditsy pointed out, Jakob did use the objective case me correctly. I was fooled, as Ditsy also correctly noted, because Jakob, in an out-of-character way, said me and Alistair instead of Alistair and me. More importantly, in our tradition of the pronunciation of scone, and the jam versus cream on top debate, I feel the need to continue the discussion about Paul and Jakob going a bit longer, even though the two characters weren't featured this week. I love that Paul is, as some might say, quote-unquote stereotypically gay. There are the many Adams, and then there are the many Pauls of the LGBT world, the prime example being Paul O'Grady, whose brilliant life and career we celebrated this week. Then there are probably most who are mixtures of Adam and Paul. I think it was brave for the archers to create a character such as Paul, and hopefully to make him a regular in village life. Two weeks ago, I was pointing out Jakob's discomfort with certain aspects of Paul's personality that we link to as being gay. Whether it's related to Jakob being on the spectrum or not, I shrug my shoulders. I stick with my assessment, and it's not related to my being, as I was characterized, overly sensitive about the subject. That's a place we shouldn't go to. Last week, I pointed out the contrast of Jakob with Harrison, who was perfectly comfortable with Paul and with letting his own hair down. I think the contrast made by the scriptwriters of these two heterosexual men was very purposeful and effective. I celebrate the archers for their inclusion of LGB, no T characters yet, in Ambridge. Talk to you soon. Aha! So, oh, how gracefully did a Witherspoon accept Ditz's correction? Very good. Very lovely. Thank you, Witherspoon. He did. But there's a little bit of a finger wag about <laughs> saying he was being overly sensitive. But he did. But, he did. yeah, I understand that. Who wants to be called over, overly sensitive? Yeah, it's like an insult, isn't it? So, there it is. <laughs> I would find it an insult. 
He celebrates Paul. I love Paul. I've not got a problem with Paul. I like the joy that he brings. And anybody that brings joy to Ambridge, I appreciate. Joy Harwood. Oh, Joy Harwood or joy that Paul brings. Several meanings of joy, so let's celebrate them. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Mr Spoon, thank you for your call. And this is one of the lovely things about Dum Dum is that you can have two caller in who can disagree yeah. and over over the episodes they can actually have a dialogue with each other yeah. through the show. So well, this is in effect three weeks in the making. Yeah, indeed, just like the skin story and just like you and me because the things we'll never agree about. There you go. There you go. <laughs> How do you you put your cream on, on the wrong way, don't you? I've no idea because it's so long since I've ate, I ate a scone. I call it a scone. So I'm not really disagrees with everybody else in the world. I don't know. It's a long time to see it. Just going. All right. Let's not go down that yeah, road. Right. Go the Spoon, he's in the upper low east-west side. Marie Bray is in Hampshire. Hello, Roy, Phil, Jacqueline and all dumpty dummers. It's Marie from Winchester. Hope you're all keeping well. Um, this week, we've been watching reruns of Downton Abbey. And um, who should be the vicar on it? But our lovely Oliver. Had no idea he was on Downton Abbey. And talking of Oliver, I thought it was really lovely that he wanted to gift uh, £5,000 to George. Uh, lovely things to do. But I think in reality, in real life, um, you just wouldn't do that to someone who, A, isn't family, but also is only 18 and still at uh, fixed form. Something that he might consider down the line when George has perhaps proved that, you know, this is really for him. Um, But to do it at this stage, I think, is a little bit early. Um, But indeed, a very lovely gesture. I'm interested to see what will come of this storyline. I also very much enjoyed Oliver and Jim volunteering and um, with the school party turning up. I thought that was pretty fun. Um, You know, it would have been nice to hear a bit more of that. And um, but yeah, it's an interesting storyline. Apart from that, I've not been enamoured with the stories over the last two weeks. I think when you have a huge event like a death, the the lines that follow, the stories that follow often uh, are almost fillings. And um, that's very much my thinking on it. But anyway, I uh, look forward to um, speaking to you all again soon. And um, take care. Unfortunately, I won't be joining you at the meetup in Birmingham, sadly, but I am very interested in coming to the one in Cambridge. So um, let's try and uh, see you then. Okay, lots of love. Take care. Bye. Aha, Marie, so it's got a good point of view. So is it realistic that Oliver would give George some a big lump of dosh at the age of 80? Well, we know that he's been a supporting Ed and the Grundies for the last and absolutely. Yeah. yeah, he is part of that landed gentry, noblesse, noblesse type of generation. You mean he's just a nice guy? But I think he sees the Grundies, and it's in a nice way, as a little bit of a project of his. Yeah, but that's he has, he's a nice guy. But if he's a nice guy, he'd be flashing the cash to everybody. No, I think people who are nice people have projects, as you say. But, yeah, uh, but I think it comes from an old-fashioned tradition is what I'm saying. And I don't think oh, right. old-fashioned old in that it's wrong, but he's somebody, he's the squire forward slash landed gentry. He's that type of person. He sees it as his position. He sees that fundamentally the Grundies have had it 
haven't had breaks in life and he has the financial wherefore to help me. It's always been the Grundys. He's never been throwing money at the Horobins. No, but, but I think they give him something that he doesn't have, which is family. Yes, yes. He has a daughter that lives in New York, doesn't he, who he mentioned when Caroline died. Yeah. He said, I can go. But you are right. This is his family, in effect, yeah. in... That him and Caroline developed, really, together. And maybe this comes out of Caroline, because Caroline is Will's godmother. Yeah, absolutely. What? Sorry. Yes, she was, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, I find it an interesting storyline, but I don't like George, and I I could call the readers to come that express their opinions about George, and I am 100% wholeheartedly with them. Oliver is just... A lovely person. I love his relationship to the Grundys. He bought the farm. He's allowed them to go back in. He's bent over backwards. But this is the echo is when, and I cannot remember exactly what Caroline did for Will when he was 21. She did something. Cosmo. I think it's to do with the property. The grease. Yes, that's exactly it. Yes. Oh my she, goodness, we have I've managed well to open done. the right drawer. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Oliver is just following on from Caroline's godmothership of Will Grundy. He's been more about Ed than Will, but fundamentally, it's the Grundy. Yeah, largely. Right yeah. Looks yeah. After. Yeah. That's fine. I understand that. Now, I think we've got two points of view on George in the next, then the next two and the last two calls. Because we've got a view from Andrea and we've got a view from David from Carmarthen, which give opposing views. So let's talk about George after those cults. Andrea, poor <laughs> thing, has got a problem with either the microphone or the internet connection in beautiful central Brittany. And her calls came through as if they were recorded from under the sea. She messaged me with the message and we got an actor to step in and read those words. Thank you, Sophie. So are we going now to David? Yeah, as a follow-on and then we'll talk about George. All right. Hello all. Had a really good Archers week thanks to Natasha and George Grundy. Oh, how I love to tut-tut loudly when they appear. I had a bit of a wobble a couple of years ago with Natasha when she helped Kirsty look for Blake. She became quite a rounded character when she described how it felt to look for her father amongst the homeless after he had wandered off again and again. I warmed to her, slightly. Unfortunately, she's back to being completely one-dimensional. Ethics? Who needs those when you have a bit of extra dosh? For the kids, of course. George Grundy, a boy only a mother could love, although I don't think Emma's ignorant of his ways. So perhaps it's more that he's only a boy his grandmothers could love. As he explained to Will this week about how his so-called friends spoke about his dad, stepdad, uncle situation, I started to feel that perhaps there's a reason he's such a git. But then when he called Will weak, I didn't just tut. I came over all Homer Simpson and shouted, why you little, whilst shaking my hands in front of me. So, order restored before the end of an episode. I don't feel at all warm and cuddly towards George, and I don't feel guilty about it. George might turn into a well-balanced, well-rounded adult at some point in many years' time, but I hope not. Have a good week, everyone. Greenhound Dahl, Roy Field, Jacqueline, and Dumpty Devers everywhere. BC Maeto, it's David from Carmarthenshire. I just wanted to say how much I've enjoyed this week's stories. We've had lots of things ticking along quite nicely, some nice plot developments, things are moving forward. The one thing I didn't enjoy so much was the whole Neil 
and Oliver volunteering at Lower Loxley for Argo. That doesn't just ring true for me, really. And also, I think comedy in Ambridge is so rarely well done. It just didn't really work for me. So it's a no. Anyway, I really want to talk about George this week because I feel that George has been set up as quite an unsympathetic character. Um, perhaps the next Alf Grundy or Clive Horribid in waiting, who knows? That's certainly been the path that he seems to have been on. I think we saw a different side to George this week, and I feel really sympathetic towards him. Um, it was really moving to hear him talk about his what he feels to be an unorthodox family situation. We've never really seen that side of George before, and I think it's something that really needs to be to addressed and developed um, in the Archers. Uh, it could be interesting to see how he turns out now. He's obviously got a very loving family. Uh, he's got the support of Oliver behind him as well, so who knows, as long as Martin Gibson doesn't get his calls into him, eh? Anyway, it's been a really good week. Um, still enjoying the podcast. Dior van Bokbeth, Holy Lamatrol. Bye. So there we are, Royfield. Two quite opposing views about George. And I think looking at social media, that's how people in general look at George. They're, they either love him right or he's a bit marmite. I think we've been given now, if we hadn't really worked it out, enough of the backstory, George, as the reason why he's going to be the fly by the seat of your pants, try and make a fast buck. Wide uh, boy. Move. The Dell. Yeah, yeah. I think wide boy is most definitely it. Character of this generation of the Grundy family. He's a product of the Grundy family. He idolizes his grandfather and he's deeply embarrassed about the fact that his stepfather is his uncle. Yeah. He's embarrassed. But he's so been teased he's... about it, as we said earlier in the other part of the yeah. show. He's been teased about it, so he's suffered. He's suffered. So this gives us enough of a understanding into his view of the world and the environment which he brought up into. So I think we should have some level of sympathy. It's not as if he's just come onto the show. No, it's not no his backstory. fault. It's not his fault. If he came onto the show with no backstory and he was just a bit fly-by-night, a bit, oh, let's have this drugs business. A mat, et a mat. Exactly. You'd be like, you take against. But actually, I think we have enough there to, go, to understand. We don't have to agree to understand what, what is, why he's where he is. I think it's a long story and that we're going to see this development of this character and I do hope he comes good in the end but half of me thinks like no. Andrea. No. A half of me thinks like Andrea. I want him to turn back going forever. <laughs> Let's just have him as a slightly morally ambiguous figure. <laughs> no, He can do some crappy things and occasionally he does some good things. Yeah. But he, and he's George Grundy. And then yeah. yours. He is. So yeah, it would be. But it's good to compare those two calls directly. So thank you both Andrea and David for the calls. It's nice to get a bit of Brittany call and a bit of a Welsh call. All the world revolves Celtic. around the Celts. Yeah, exactly. I think we finished all our colorinos there, haven't we? We have. So we had two messages this week and this one is from Cranky Cranky Yankee. I enjoyed the archers this week. It was typical. A little of this and a little of that. My favourite scene was with George. <laughs> Sorry. My favourite scene was when George was talking about his atypical living environment where his father and stepfather live side by side and his father's description of a relationship with his mother. And my favourite quote of the week is Jim saying to David Archer, that man has been playing me for a fool. Also, I'm wondering if someone could give the chronology of the Tucker family 
So, what do you think? The Tucker family uh, chronology, that's a good new one for Stephen. Yeah, uh, we can follow um, that one. Because I miss a bit of Brenda. I loved Brenda. Ah, yeah. That was quite good, wasn't it? Wait a minute. Sorry, sorry. I've just got a little conversation to have here. Excuse-moi, Shari. Oh, je sais pas, peut-être notre 10 minutes maximum. Mais tu peux man- vous pouvez manger pour... C'est un peu tard, je sais. Sorry. They're waiting for dinner. They're waiting for me for dinner. Almost done. There's another view of George, which is actually was enjoyed. Cranky Ranky enjoyed the George and his, and also she sounds like she has a bit of sympathy for him. So we'll put her in the David contra the Andrea category, shall we? Oh, sorry. Next one's me. I'll take it. All right. Now, the next one is from China Dave. Dear Dum Dee Dum, this is China Dave from, guess where? China. This is the first time I feel I have to communicate. For centuries, biblical scholars have been trying to work out how 30 pieces of silver actually is in modern money. Now we know it's the money raised from having your twins <laughs> On to other points. Why is there always accommodation available for characters in the village? How long was that house that Brian moved into empty? I'm always impressed with the NHS in Ambridge, especially for mental care. Edward's drug rehab, William's suicide attempt, Lizzie's depression and Helen's anorexia, all cured in record time. I don't know if Helen's anorexia is completely mm. dealt with. And what I would, the other thing is I'll say is that William's suicide attempt, my goodness, we've had a completely different William ever since, haven't we? Can we you just know? say that you've interrupted we, his China Dave's message? That was you talking rather than you reading. Because <laughs> otherwise that was very confusing for poor China Dave who didn't say that. And uh, China Dave, it's because he did these as little kind of like bullet points. Yeah, and it's very good that we want to add in at the time. Anyway, let's finish it. Thank let's you, go back to Dave. As physical care, I was very impressed with Jim an 80-plus gentleman locking himself in a room for well over 12 hours without a bathroom. His prostate must be in great condition. No, I think they're pot plants. Personally, I think they're pot plants in there. Good point, though. Every morning I listen to the archers on my commute to work. I have a problem with Tony Archer. If he's in the show, my mood is depressed. Please, NHS, short out his depression (laughs) by proxy. Keep up the good work, China Dave. Dave, you, sir, are a wag. You are. And that is very good. (laughs) Everything. Yeah, good email. Can I just say, though, that... No, forget it. I forgot what I was going to say. Something about the house being empty, but it doesn't matter. Moved on, move on. Whilst we're on the subject of China, a good friend of the Facebook page and a good friend of the podcast, Benjamin Kevin, Kevin, who's in Shanghai, has managed to, on April Fool's Day, to break his arm and he's currently in a hospital in Shanghai in dire straits, we might say. So let's send him lots of good dumpty dum best wishes to for to get out of hospital A and to recover very quickly. Sending you positive vibes there, Min Kevin. And now let's hear what our social media gurus have been talking about on our Dumpty Dum Facebook page with our wonderful Suey. Hello, my lovelies. As Royfield normally says about now, it's my second bite of the cherry this week. I'm here with the first week in April social media roundup. Oh, you should take a look if you've not been there. As usual, there's loads there. 
Our own Sandra Jenkinson gets a big high five this week for predicting Brian's cookery lessons. Lillian McCarthy said the family should give him some space. Neo Horstminder reminded us he can do some basic cooking, as we discovered when Jenny Darling moved out of home farm during Kitchengate. Oh, I re- I'd so look back to Kitchengate. He did struggle to operate some of the devices, though. And Louise Lawton shared, as an H-E-something widower, my father suddenly decided to learn how to cook and started making marmalade. My father, at the same age, set his whole kitchen on fire by forgetting something on the stove. So let's hope for nothing worse than a bit of smoke at Blossom Hill Cottage. Lots of people answered on Witherspoon Snapple cookery classes. Jan Mitchell said, I do mean lasagna, but no cookery classes except in junior high in home economics. Let's say I did not shine. Darcy Jorgensen said, Oh, I did many years ago now. I'm mostly self-taught, but one of the recipes we learnt in class was for Hungarian sour cream poppy seed cake. I still make that cake. That sounds amazing. Gillian Corrigan said, I haven't done cookery classes as such, but I did A-level domestic science. Back in 1980, still remember how stressful the six-hour practical exam was. And Hannah Warren puts the rest of us to shame. I took a class with Stephen Rachelin. I'm hoping that's pronounced right. A long time ago, before he became the barbecue guy here in the US. I trained as a baker with bread classes, as well as with Richard Burnett in Bath. Two week-long classes at the Raymond Blanc Cockery School at Le Manoir Quatre Saisons. Classes in the Lane District for the Village Bakery, and most recently at Borough Marker in London, the Bread Ahead Bakery. Wowzers! So it's all round to Hannah's then. Whereabouts in the States are you, Hannah? Can we find you on tractor? A change of tack. Kate Lyle spoke for many of us, saying Tom really is a weasel, isn't he? And Charlie Bird added, Tom is a self-righteous venal git. Pam Delight asked, how much money is it? And who cares? Tom would sell out his principles for half a bag of dolly mixtures and a bottle of Panda Pop. Paul Eggers said, I love how vague this storyline is. I mean, if it was Blue Ivy or Northwest modelling, it'd be megabucks. But two random babies? I personally know international fashion models jetting around the world on huge campaigns. Oh, tell us more, Paula. Even they don't get supermodel rates. It feels so out of touch, it's funny. But now that you mention it, Tom would sell his prize cow or pig or children for a few old beans. We know what this setup's about, though. You can smell it a mile off. And Pam added, Indeed, Cromarty Fourth, Tyne Blue Ivy or Northwest 3 to 5, bearing Kanye West except in Beyoncé. Good, occasionally moderate. Are you talking about the archers now or something else you need to share with us? Jacqueline has been sharing the trailers for the mashup weekend in Birmingham, including pictures of embroideries, and welcomed our new members with a new box of Yorkshire tea, but will have to be shop bought cake and a packet of Garibaldi biscuits, as her family had eaten her out of house and home. So, just a taster, let me just remind you Karen Wright's Saturday episode, fantastic this week. And Miles Swain Gray asking about the longest streak people have of not missing a single episode. The lens some people went to are in there. Leslie Farhu found a review of The Bull on TripAdvisor and Cake Off pointed it as a podcast with Annabelle Dowler in My Time Capsule. Oh, this was a lovely listen. Highly recommended. If you've not been to the Facebook page lately, come on over. Join us in. We love having new people join in and established people coming back. And we've got lots of new members coming in, as you see here, every week. Remember to be kind to each other. 
and play nicely. And stay safe, my lovelies, till the next one. Thank you for that, Suey. And yes, that was Suey's second bite of the cherry. So thank you everyone who's posted their thoughts to our Dum Dum Facebook page. Now it's time to welcome our new members to that group. Yes, a very warm Dum Dum welcome to Alison Morris. Cherry Blossom Doulas, Inc. Kevin Salyer. Matt Hollis. Joey Avi. Now, just before we go on from here at Royfield, we've had quite a few requests for people to join our Facebook page. But if people don't answer at least one of the questions, but preferably two, we will not accept them because we don't know whether you're a little AI person somewhere in the world. Okay, so let's go to the next bit with the reviews. Yes, we have two five-star reviews this week. And the first one is entitled The Podcast You Never Knew You Needed. I've been an avid listener to The Archers for a while, but I only recently started listening to this podcast. It's been wonderful company during maternity leave. From long walks with a sleeping baby to long night feeds with a very awake baby. Love the contributions from other listeners and commentary from the hosts. That's us. We'll build up confidence for first caller caller in in due course. That's from Captain Scarlet and Ottie. That came via Apple Podcasts in Great Britain. You know what? I was a big fan of Captain Scarlet as a kid. Great fan of his work. Uh, I think he's a mum now, so I just feel sympathy for those long nights with wake weight babies. Next review is entitled Excellent Five Stars. Sometimes I listen to The Archers just so I have context for listening to Dum De Dum. No. And that's from Sophie Likes via Apple Podcasts in the United States of America. Oh, that's a nice one. Thank you both. Please send in your podcast, your reviews as soon as you can and as many as possible. Now, we are on Twitter. You can find us at Dumpty Dum, where you can join in the tweet along by using the hashtag TheArchers with a capital T and a capital A, which helps the visually impaired to join in the fun. And I can be found on Twitter as Jberto Sanguin. Must be time for the tweet of the week. Hello, Royfield, Jacqueline and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Purple Pumpkin here with your tweet of the week. This week on Twitter, we've seen a lot of people taking sides on Tom versus Helen. Although I think most people think they're both so odious that it's hard to choose a side. I'm afraid we haven't been able to run a poll of best lines because that nice Mr Musk who's taken over Twitter has decided that only paying customers with a blue tick can be allowed to run polls. Apparently this is part of his war on robot accounts, though the delightful Ambridge plot bot had better beware. Also, there's some advice for anyone who's having difficulty seeing at Dumpty Dum tweets in their feed. Do make sure you've chosen following rather than for you as the tweet stream you see. So now to this week's medals. In bronze, it's Miranda at Apple Android app, who had a very strong week, but the tweet I chose was this one. Helen's taking this awfully well, don't you think? In silver, it's Herbie Potts, who says, If I was Brian, I'd be very complimented that at age 79 and only two weeks after my wife has died, Everyone thinks I'm back on the shag wagon. And finally, in gold, we have ungoogleable at all underscore sweetness, who says, Tom would sell out his principles for half a bag of Dolly mixture and a bottle of Panda Pop. That's it for this week. See you all on Twitter again next week. Thank you, Theo. And congratulations to everybody who was 
nominated, mentioned and actually got a gong. Don't forget, folks, we're also on Instagram where we are at Dum Dum and that is run by the very awesome, lovely, wicked Katie. So please do follow us there. I'm on Instagram as well and you can find me there, Jacqueline Berto. And thank you for all the people who friended me on there this week. It's lovely to see all your posts. Thank you as ever to all our contributors and to our social media supremos, Shambridge Fair Voices, and to our very lovely podcasting godmother, Lucy B. Freeman. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.